0: Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life, coming to you live tonight for with Praying for America. Let me know where you are, where you're from, what questions or comments you have, because I'll be... Uh, responding to those questions as we pray together for America and as we pray for you and your families. Feel free to leave your prayer intentions uh, on the screen and whatever platform you're watching us on. Uh, we are delighted to uh, to be with you. Thanks especially to those of you that watch our program every weeknight. Uh, it really means a lot to us and we are uniting Christians Patriots from all around the country Because we know we have important work to do In this upcoming election This midterm election I shouldn't really say upcoming, right? It's it's present, it's happening now More primaries tomorrow Oh my goodness, Georgia uh, Tomorrow some important primaries And uh, we, the primary season has been well underway Of course we had Pennsylvania last week And uh, uh, several other states prior to that It is in progress now, brothers and sisters. It is happening, and uh, we got to be equipping one another to win this election, Uh, win back the House, the Senate, uh, and uh, get ready to win back the White House in 2024. We're going to put a dam in place. We're going to put a firewall in place. Uh, to the damage that the Democrats are doing to America. We have got to speak clearly about this. You know, the time for beating around the bush is over, including on the part of us, the clergy. Enough of this tiptoeing around the political realities of what's going on. I don't know about you, but actually I do know about you. We've had enough of it. And a lot of our church leaders, you know, a lot of the bishops, for example, they'll try to tell priests like me, oh, simmer down, don't be so political, quiet down. Absolutely not. You know what my response to them is? <laughs> my response to them is this. Okay, this is the way we save America, and that's how we save the rest of the world. Of course, Christ Jesus is our Savior, but that's the point. We've got to point to him. We've got to have politicians who have enough humility to be able to put what they decide and what they do and the way they govern into the hands of Almighty God, the way that our founders did. Uh, And not not a a bowing-to-the-left crazy, woke, wacko mob that is trying to take over America. It's absolutely Absolutely. It's an emergency. Okay, let's put it that way. You know it as well as I. This is an emergency. So we come together in the midst of this emergency to pray and to pray fervently. We come together in the midst of this emergency to encourage and inform one another. What we do on this program is to reflect on the news of the day, not just to reflect on it, but to pray over it, to pray over it. And uh, my goodness, we've got a lot of work to do. Let me go to the scriptures here. Um, In John chapter 14, Jesus gives us a beautiful promise here, starting with verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father. And he will give you another advocate to be with you always, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot accept because it neither sees nor knows him. But you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Let us pray. Jesus, we adore you. Jesus, we thank you for dying and rising for us. Jesus, we know, as as, as the word tells us, that you are our advocate. St. John tells us in his first letter that if we sin, we have in heaven an advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And so we know, Jesus, that you are our advocate. But Lord, we thank you too that from you and from the Father, we have yet another advocate. Not one that rivals you, but one that is actually one in being with you and the Father. And that is the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son. Jesus, we thank you for sending this this, this other advocate who pleads our cause in the heights of heaven and who also makes us advocates for the rights and the lives and the freedom of one another. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. He comes to us, he is sent to us, he abides in us, he teaches us, he guides us, he convicts us of sin, he strengthens us, he consoles us in sorrow, he gives us the unity that we need to have and the courage with which we need to fight against the evils of our day. Renew that gift of the Spirit within us, among us, in our families, in our communities, in our churches, in our nation. Jesus, send that spirit as you promised from yourself and from your Father as we pray for America in your mighty name. Amen. You know, I want to point something out about this passage, friends. Jesus says the spirit will come into us. So we all believe that. We all beg for the coming of the spirit every day right the spirit will come into us and then jesus says in the same breath i will come to you so we have the presence of jesus but we don't have the same experience in the same way that those apostles had him right they had him there in human form he was sitting with them, eating with them. We don't see Jesus walking around in human form. But is he any less with us? Has he abandoned us because He, when he ascended into heaven, has he gone away from us? No, not at all. He is very much with us. He told us, I will be with you always until the end of the world. And here's one of the ways he's with Of course, he's with us in his word. He's with us in many ways, the Eucharist and other ways. He is with us in His Spirit. Through the Spirit coming to us, that accomplishes Jesus' being in us. Because again, they're one in being. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, the Spirit will be in you. And then in the very next verse, that's verse 17 of John 14, the Spirit will be in you. And then Jesus says, I will come to you. The Spirit doesn't bring us a different gospel than the one proclaimed, taught, and handed on by Jesus Christ. The Spirit does not bring us a different gospel. Some people think they can improve on the gospel. You know, on the left, you know, you don't only have the non-believers and the haters of religion. You've You've got a lot of them who are haters of God, haters of religion. But you've also got wackos on the left who are very religious or claim to be in fact i want to say something about one of them by the name of pelosi another one by the name of brandon actually biden but it's brandon these people claim to have the holy spirit these people claim to have jesus but they think they can improve on the gospel of jesus they're wacko You can't improve on the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't go beyond in some way the perfection of the word that has been given us in Jesus Christ. See, that's what sets us apart from these wacko religious leftists. We shouldn't just think about the the, 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 the religion-hating leftists. There's plenty of them, But the religious leftists are just this dangerous... Sometimes more dangerous, because they deceive people who are on the right track. Because they they say, oh, they share our faith too. Look, they're good people because they share our faith. No, it's not just because they share our faith. That doesn't guarantee that they're on the right track. That doesn't mean that they have our best interests at heart. That doesn't mean that they're freedom-loving patriots. And it certainly doesn't mean God is pleased with them. Yeah, some people invoke the Holy Spirit because they're trying to get out of following the teachings of Jesus. Do you ever think about that? That you've got people who try to get out of following the teachings of Jesus not simply by rejecting religion, but by embracing it and claiming to have some kind of better gospel. They'll still use the, the, the language Oh, I'm Christian, I'm Catholic, or whatever they say they are. Pelosi. Biden. Oh, I'm Catholic. Oh, I say my rosary. Big deal. Why don't you start being honest? Why don't you you have some integrity? Why don't you try to find some, you know, love of your country? And why don't you just step out of the way? Because you're so incompetent in leading the country. And and let somebody else lead it and protect it, for goodness sake. No, these people don't have our best interests at heart, and they don't love our country. Well, okay, so about Pelosi, you know, she's been in the news, because the Catholic Archbishop of San Francisco, who's a man that I know very well, Archbishop Salvatore Cordiglione, I lived with him in Rome. We were both working over there in the late 1990s under Pope John Paul II. We were working at the Vatican, and... um And, you know, the American priests that work over at the Vatican, they've got a special apartment complex for us called the Villa Stritch. And there we were uh, living in that same place, sharing the same dining room and and got to know each other. And I was always very, very favorably impressed uh, by him. And uh, and then, you know, after we worked there uh, uh, after some years, and I heard he had become a bishop. And when I heard that, I said, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> I knew he was going to be a good and courageous man. What he did uh, very recently, well, first of all, about a year ago, he sent out a document dealing with these Catholic pro-abortion politicians who want to throw the teaching on abortion out the window because there's no, there's not more than one Catholic position on abortion, just like there's really not one... More than one uh, Christian position on abortion. There's, there's not more than one human position on abortion. I mean, you don't kill babies. It's as simple as that. But the uh, again, people who think they can improve on the gospel, okay, they come up with these theories that somehow justify abortion, and I'll tell you, uh, you know, people like Biden and Pelosi, you know why they're so confident, besides their arrogance, why they're so confident that they could stand up and say, oh, I'm a faithful and, and devout and practicing Catholic. you know why they can say that with so much confidence? Because there are priests who are as guilty as they are, or more guilty, because they mislead them. They give them cover. They tell them, oh, don't worry, you know, you're okay. You're okay. You're presiding over the biggest holocaust in human history? 63 and a half million babies have been slaughtered by abortion in America since the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision, which is about to be overturned by the Supreme Court. God bless them. God bless those, those five justices that are ready to do that. And maybe even we'll get six maybe if this chief justice does the right thing. But these people like Pelosi and Biden, they're presiding over a Holocaust. And they want to be considered devout. So the Archbishop of, of San Francisco said to Pelosi, you can't receive Holy Communion. Now, he wasn't acting on a whim. The bishops have taught for decades that, 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 that in fact, there's a canon law of the church that talks about public officials who persistently, persistently take positions contrary to the faith, and do not change. They cannot receive communion. Why? Because communion means being in union. You're not in union with the church, with God, with your your neighbor if you're slaughtering babies or you're in favor of slaughtering babies. Uh, So really, she's the one who separated herself from from communion and from the right to receive communion a long time ago. She's the one who introduced the the division. It's not the archbishop who's pushing her away. It's she herself who has pushed herself away. And he's just making that clear. Why? So that the rest of the church might not be confused. You know, St. Paul talks about scandal when he writes to the Corinthians about the meat sacrifice to idols. You remember that passage? He says, listen, I know that an idol is nothing. I can eat the meat. But somebody who has a weaker conscience might see me eating the meat and think that I'm worshiping the idol. And he said, I can't allow that to happen. Not not because what I'm doing. I can justify what I'm doing, but I'm not going to do it because somebody else might be led astray. Somebody else might be confused. Somebody else who's weaker might feel like oh i have to uh, I, I have justification in 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 sinning and this is what's happening on the matter of these politicians and and you know here's the insulting thing and you you know this you and i we make sacrifices every day to live our faith right you want to be whether you're cam just talking to 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 uh catholics You and I make sacrifices to live our faith. All of us who are disciples of of Jesus Christ. And God bless the unity that we have here, right? In praying for America, we are Christians from across the body of Christ. And we, every day, we look at temptation coming our way, you know, something that wants to lead us off on the path of the gospel. And we say, go away, be gone, be gone, Satan. And we got to slap him away, left and right, and as always prowling about like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour, like the scriptures tell us, and we got to chase him away every day. And sometimes that means making big sacrifices. There are people, I'm sure some of you who have lost your jobs because you have stood up to mandates, unjust mandates trying to force you to violate your conscience, right? Some of you have lost your jobs. So you and I are are making sacrifices to live out our faith every day. And and, and we're not complaining about it. We're happy to make those sacrifices because we love the Lord. But then we turn around and we see these prominent politicians who... Instead of making sacrifices to live their faith, maybe they're going to sacrifice a few votes. Maybe they're going to lose an election. But no, 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 no. They don't want to make any sacrifice whatsoever. They'll throw the teaching out the window. They'll distort the teaching. They'll trample it underfoot. They'll distort it beyond recognition, and then they'll claim to be devout followers of Christ, devout Catholics. Shame on them. Here we are making sacrifices to live our faith. And what they're doing, they're trying to get political advantage by saying that they're living their faith. And the meanwhile, they trample the teaching underfoot. Whoa. Talk about offending God. That's pretty bad stuff. Let me take some of your comments here, and, and I, 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 I thank you for, for making them. Oh someone is asking isn't there a warning in the Bible about receiving communion unworthily uh, you know Paul writes about that to the Corinthians he says examine yourself lest you be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord you have to be ready you have to be it means something it means something um and uh, let me see okay so uh uh let's see uh, oh thank you Joseph finally a priest who preaches the truth and uh yeah that is so uh So much our calling, right? So one of you is saying, Biden, I hope Biden is next. Yeah, and, you know, we should be communicating with the bishops of of these. uh, There's a number of them, um, uh, a number of these other prominent Catholic pro-abortion politicians. Biden, of course, is first among them. Their bishops should be doing the same thing. They should be doing the same thing. Hopefully uh, what Archbishop Cordelione has done will set off some kind of a, a chain reaction among the bishops, wouldn't that be nice? You know, courage is contagious. You got to be willing, of course. To you got to be willing to catch it. <laughs> One of you was saying, Cynthia. Thank you for your comment. Uh, hopefully, Pelosi will come to repentance. Um, and you know, that's the purpose of of this. You know, Archbishop Corleone is not trying to uh, punish uh, uh, punish her. He's trying to get her. Get her to see what's right. You know, and he didn't take this step without saying, he made it very clear in his public statement and in his communication to her that he tried multiple times to meet with her privately, to counsel her, to encourage her to do the right thing. She didn't have time for it. Either she couldn't be reached or she didn't respond or she didn't have time. didn't have time. Oh, but her faith is so important to her, but she doesn't have time to meet with her her archbishop. Oh, but her faith is so important to her. Oh, but she doesn't have time to respond to the archbishop's urgent invitation and repeated invitation to sit down and talk about what? Not to talk about the weather, not even to talk about politics, but to talk about the faith that she claims is so important to her, but no, she doesn't have time to talk about it. With her archbishop. This is a bunch of crap so sick of this um let me see what michael is saying i'm not particularly religious Uh, i firmly agree judeo-christian values um the orthodox religion in this country sold its collective soul to the proverbial devil when it abdicated political speech for the sake of tax-exempt status This is an interesting sermon he has given, but I'm curious about whether that organization has relinquished tax-exempt status. Michael, first of all, welcome. Thank you for for being here. And and, uh, I really appreciate that question because this is something, my organization is called Priests for Life, uh, as you you probably know. And uh, no, we do have tax exemption as an organization. And uh, we are under the 501c3 category. Now, a couple of things about that. The uh, Johnson Amendment is that section of the tax code that deals with the very thing that you're mentioning, and I think you're right. You know, a lot of us, a lot of these churches, we've sold our souls, uh, so to speak, by co- sort of trading. We want to trade away some of our, uh, not only our our religious duty, but also our freedom to speak. And now, here we are talking about speaking the word of God into politics. We trade that away because the Johnson Amendment says, well, you can't intervene in a political campaign. So it's like an agreement. Well, you give us a tax break and we'll, you know, hush-hush about elections. Now, I wrote a whole book about this. In fact, at the end of the program today, you're going to see an ad about the book. But I'll give you the website now. It's called Abolishing Abortion. And in that book, I talk about exactly the point you're raising now. Let me just summarize it very briefly, then we'll go back into prayer. Churches are tax-exempt not because of the IRS. Churches are tax-exempt by statute, and churches are actually tax-exempt deep into the history of the human family. Long before the United States even existed, uh, the understanding was that churches, because they represent a kingdom not of this world, were exempt from... A taxation. So this goes very deep, and it goes back very far. So, in other words, our claim to tax exemption does not and should not rest either on the IRS or on something like the Johnson Amendment. Now, that said, we as an organization, uh, as an organization, do not engage in political endorsements or campaign collections or financing. We do, as you can obviously see me doing on this program, speak into the world of politics. But we see this as a religious duty, uh, as as so many of you do. We see it as, a, as part of our living of our faith. And if someone were to deny us the right to do that or to say these things, we would say, hey, you're not letting us live out our uh, faith. But of course, again, many claim, I think rightly, that the Johnson Amendment is unconstitutional. Because it's saying, "Oh well, if you're going to get this uh, um, this this tax status, you know, including churches, you're you're not supposed to say certain things into the world of politics." Well, the question is, then, not are we political, but are we able to be the church if we can't teach the word of God as it relates to politics? We're supposed to be able to teach the word of God as it relates to all human activity, because we believe that God is in charge. Not of 50% or 75% or even 99% of our lives or activities. God is in charge of 100% of our activities, including the way we vote. So if we, ministers of God, are not able to guide people in the ways of God in 100% of their activities, then we're not able to do our job as being ministers of God. We don't have time to go into this further um, because we're coming to the end of our program here, but abolishingabortion.com. Go to that website. Get my book. You'll see a whole lot more about this. Can we pray, friends? Let's pray for each other's needs, and let's use the words that Jesus has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, friends. Join me again tomorrow. Meanwhile, follow me on social media. Some of you are uh, perhaps not connected with me. I'm on all the the social media platforms at frfrankpavone. At F R Frank Pavone, you see it on the bottom of the screen. Let's connect, and connect also at Right Side Broadcasting Network. God bless you all. I'm praying for you every day. Let's stay close, as especially in these important days for our country. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow night.